Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi, everybody. I'm Eric Arno, and this is part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast featuring the theme Resolution, the first show we recorded in 2017. We're meeting the year head-on with a handful of incredible storytellers and performers, including Lily B., Ashley Keenan, Maria Voorhees, and Kellen Terrett. And this episode also features the new Your Stories house band that has myself, Dwight Hassler, Becca Brown, and for the first time ever, Katie Johnston-Smith. If you're a fan of the Nerdalogs but you live on the West Coast, guess what? You can see our beautiful faces this week. We'll be in Los Angeles for an all-new sketch comedy show Thursday night at UCB Franklin. And then we're heading to the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown Comics Friday for a Your Stories, featuring some of our favorite LA people. Details and tickets for both shows are available through links on our website and Facebook page. I'll make sure to post them on the podcast page as well. Our next uh, Chicago show is Sunday, February 19th. And since it's February, you know what that means. It's time again for our annual fan fiction episode. Uh, this is a super popular show every year, but we still have a few story spots open. So if you'd like to share a piece, please email yourstories@nerdalogs.com with a brief pitch and we'll get back to you ASAP. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you want to do us a solid, you can rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, that helps a ton. Otherwise, just enjoy. So there was a kind of an interesting side effect of inviting Katie to play with us, which is now the number of people who love musical theater to the number of people who don't care about it is equal. So I think you're going to hear a lot of theater songs from us going forward. New year, new me. <laughs> I do like this musical, though, because, I mean, who the fuck doesn't? Don't tell them what it is. Yeah, you'll all get it. Guys and dolls. Guys and dolls. Guys and dolls. But da 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 Guys and dolls, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> uh, also, like, this is the first time since 
childhood no, no, piano recitals that I have played my piano in public. So, um, sorry. And <laughs> no apologies allowed in 2017. Yeah, hi. Hi, sorry. 2017. Huh? <laughs> sorry. I appreciate sorry. it. Yeah. Don't be sorry. I'm just also like very nervous. Like very nervous. Like very nervous. Cool. Okay, great. We all got that out of the way. We all know that I'm very nervous. Always tell them. That's that's a great strategy. Tell them you're nervous until you make it. That's the saying. <laughs> great. great. Yeah. All right.
You guys heard of that show? It's like a... It's a thing. Hamilton. Kind of, kind of popular. This next song is from a musical by Jason Robert Brown <laughs> called 13 the Musical, which was a musical about a bunch of 13-year-olds turning 13... 13-year-olds turning. <laughs> the original, or 12-year-olds turning. Just turn stuck in a time loop in the musical. <laughs> kind of like a quantum leap situation. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this song was originally performed by the Ariana Grande, Ooh. whom I love. And I believe it's the number one account on Instagram. Is that correct? Probably. I think that's I true. follow her, and I watch her story every day. <laughs> anyway, she here it is. She has whistle tones. She does have whistle tones. I do not. I smoke many cigarettes. <laughs> but here it is. One, two, three, four. because she is very busy and very talented. Thank you, Becca. That was great. Maybe musicals are okay. We've already done some songs so some of my favorite musicals, which is We Will Rock You, which is all Queen songs, so that's pretty easy. And uh, next time we're going to do some stuff from, uh, oh man, what's that? How can that? Book of Mormon. No, not Lady. Man up, you got to man up. 
Yeah, that's from Book of Mormon. That's a good song. Guys, coming up first to the stage in the second half, this woman is an incredible, positive uh, figure in the Chicago storytelling community. She runs a show called The Stoop, which is on the west side, and it, it kind of gets at uh, stories from maybe communities that don't always have shows like this, and that's wonderful. Uh, definitely, please support that. Please welcome to the stage, Lily B. <laughs> I don't make resolutions. I don't. New Year's resolutions are just good intentions in disguise. And as we all know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So instead of resolutions, I make promises. Promises to myself that every year I make it a point to keep. Last year, I promised that I would use story, the storytelling show that I host, The Stoop, as a platform to help Chicagoans make a difference in Chicago. And last year, we helped raise money and awareness for 10 organizations in Chicago helping Chicagoans. I also promised to do more for new storytellers by offering my time to them one-on-one -on -one and doing more shows and events, and events to inspire people to own their shit or their stories. Last year, probably my most famous promise, or my most favorite promise, probably famous too, <laughs> was to be better to my body. Not get in shape, but just be better to my body so that I can live for as long as I fucking can. And since making that promise to myself in February, maybe March of 2016, I've lost damn near 50 pounds and can, <laughs> and can leg press 50. I mean, I'm feeling great, and as a result, looking a hell of a lot better, which in turn has helped me really, really explore and own one of my 2017 promises and the one that I am here to share with y'all today. That promise is to be the sexiest and most amazing cougar in the history of cougar. So I bring to you all today my Cougar and Promises of 2017, all based on actual encounters with cubs in 2016. <laughs> the stories for each of these are upwards of five minutes, so while I'm bringing you all, I'm not bringing you all a traditional Lily B story, know that by following me on the Instagrams and Twitters and maybe coming out to my shows, you'll just get to hear these stories in their entirety. I do promise that. So without further ado, these are my cougar promises of 2017. And I'm going to tell, say these promises as if I'm saying them to myself because I only listen to me. So, <laughs> all right. Lily, bitch, stick to half your age plus seven, bitch. The last thing you want is for another young dude to fall in love with you again and tell you, tell his dying father that you're the one, only to have to break his heart four weeks later, right around the time that you find out that he's blind out of one eye and that he didn't tell you because most women his age have made him feel shitty for it. Promise to stick to half your age plus seven, no matter how good the dick is, no matter how many corsets he buys you, no matter how many visits to Lover Lane, he, Lover's Lane he takes you on, the young ones are thirsty, thirsty, and they need to get their dick wets a little bit longer before you break them off, Lily promise. Make sure they make, make sure they have lived that life, bitch, because if you find out, because if you, because I get it, if you find out that you can't help yourself, because I know how it is, that 22-year-old breakdancer with the cut-up chest and shoulders looks mighty fine and subservient, but that's because he ain't got shit else, but 
breakdancing, and mommy issues. Promise. Promise me, Lily, to avoid the mama's boys that split the bill with their mama and then tell you that they're their roommates because they don't want you to find out that they're fuckboys. Promise me, Lily, to continue to school these fuckboys on everything from how they come at you online and on the street. Promise to continue to check the ones that try and police your pictures by telling you to put on more clothes when little do they know that there are nude pics of you on kink sites that you are quite comfortable sharing. Promise to send them on their merry fucking way and then blast their shit on Facebook because that is fun and hilarious. Promise to continue to let a fuck boy know that dick pics do nothing but let you know that they're male. Unsolicited dick pics are not sexy. Promise to bombard these fuck boys with pictures of bigger dicks or dicks with herpes. Promise to let these boys know that you are a queen motherfucking bitch who will not allow who will not allow you to even let them think that you are not going to be the dom in this situation. All the cubs that want my fake dick in their asses is testament to this and do not let them forget that. These single fuckboys and do not let a single fuckboy from plenty of fuckboys convince you that you don't that you couldn't bend his ass over too. <laughs> Given different time and circumstances. <laughs> Promise to keep up the vetting process that has allowed you to experience nothing but respect and appreciation from the cubs lucky enough to experience the goddess that you have become. Promise, bitch. Really, really promise to let no fuck, no fuck boy think they could ever break you and think that you've been fuck and, and don't and do not let them ever forget that you have been fucking for as long as they are old. Promise to unleash the magic that is your pussy. Show them how basic their fucking dicks are with every twerk and bounce and kegel squeeze. Trap those dicks in that Venus flytrap that is your pussy and suck the misconceptions they had about the power of their dicks right out their fuckboy asses. Release them back into the wild, needing your magic and wanting your magic after you. Promise, promise to make them realize that this magic is only available to them when they know how to fucking treat you. Promise to step into this cougardom and show these fuckboys who really runs the show. Promise to continue to make these young men know what it's like to be in the presence of a woman that knows and owns her sexuality. Continue in helping them learn how to be better men to women. Let them know that pussy is the magic and that they're blessed when they get to experience it. Because let them know that you own your pussy like you own your fucking stories and you will continue to be empowered by both. Thank you. I don't I don't know if you should cheer for that. I don't know if Lauren listens to this podcast. She might not want to hear you cheering for that. Anyway, coming next to the stage, this one runs a couple shows over in uh, Lincoln Park. Really great improviser, great show organizer. You can see her at BYOB and Strange Hour. And you can also see her in about five seconds. Ms. Ashley Keenan. landmines up here. <laughs> I've already been successful because I haven't tripped, so um, I'm excited for that. Uh, okay, so I'm going to be uh, really funny here. That's a very funny story, if you know me. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I first 
When I first moved to Illinois, I kept a loosely packed suitcase in the backseat of my car at all times. Along with three changes of clothes, my passport, and a flimsy jacket, I stowed a Polaroid camera and an atlas, which I didn't know how to use. I was accustomed to running away. I didn't like the idea of people knowing me, asking questions. I didn't know it at the time, but my philosophy in life was this. If I can make myself as small as possible, I can go unnoticed. I can be invisible. In my mind, invisibility meant freedom. Some of my first memories as a kid are of being on the run. I remember the flash of a silver waffle iron. As it hurled through the air and snapped in two gaping halves at my feet, my father bursting through the screen door as my mom fastened the last seatbelt of us kids and hurled out of the driveway, gravel paddling behind us. For a time, we lived in a women's shelter, all four of us in the same enormous bed. We shared a restroom with a family down the hall. The sheets were clean, and we ate three meals a day plus snack time, and their lights were always on, and there was hot water and TV and carpeting on the floor. We were genuinely happy there. Mom got a job working at the Family Dollar, and I just started kindergarten. We started to dream of what life could be. It didn't take Dad long to find out where we were, though. After several nights of him yelling street-side, stomping and threatening, we had to run again. The next morning, Mom handed us each a garbage bag for our things. We're not coming back, so don't leave anything behind, she said. Ashley, did you grab Oliver? I ran to the bed and gripped my little stuffed orange cat. I've got him, I said. We loaded everything into the car, and without so much as a wave, we disappeared. There were other places, too, at least 40 moves before I hit childhood. There was a 50-foot drop house out in Amish country. The, the kitchen was gray-green, tucked carelessly into the third floor. We moved in in such a hurry that Mom hadn't noticed a mysterious door just right to the sink. My sister dared me to open it. I turned the handle, and before I knew it, I was swinging from the doorknob, dangling three stories above a hollow clay pit, <laughs> where the owners intended to build a pool, but after years of digging, just gave up and left it. From that day on, the door was nailed shut. Uh, there was the house on Pinnacle Street, where Mom tore out the bathroom because it was pink and she hated pink, so we showered in a tall Rubbermaid bucket, water crashing against broken tile as it overflowed because there wasn't any money to put a new tub in. Then there was the summer when I came back from Dad's place alone. It was cheaper to rent rooms than an apartment, so Mom moved us in with some friends from Jersey, some new friends from Jersey. Mom and Tommy took the attic, and the family gave me a bedroom adjoined to their teenage son's room. Frankie was a year younger than me and liked to wear my clothes and come in my room late at night and sit by the couch that I slept on. He never told me he was lonely or scared, but I could feel it in his breath and the way he lingered in doorways and shuffled up the stairs. I was, too. I wasn't brave enough to tell him or console him. I wasn't brave enough to suggest that we ask for help or run away. And two years later, when they found him dead on the orange kitchen floor, I felt those unspoken words in my throat. I could have helped him, but I was too busy being invisible. The apartments on 4th Street were in a food desert and an hour and a half away from my voucher school. I spent my senior year there, taking the city bus home every day, cutting through homeless tents in Clutho Park so I could avoid the rehab center on Liberty Street, where men would grope me, follow me home, and rap on my window once I got inside. My mom disappeared twice that year, once with a tall, hollow-eyed man who'd been sleeping on our couch, then again with my stepdad. I watched behind the barred bedroom windows as they loaded hastily packed bags into the car and disappeared around the corner. I fell into a routine. I developed a strategy for avoiding the landlord so he couldn't hound me for rent. I'd drive to the south side and buy phone cards, and then I'd walk to the payphone around the corner and call my boyfriend in Columbia, 
while staring at a hand-painted sign of the dirt-floored convenience store that read milk, eggs, peanuts, hair. I would talk to him for an hour, or I would talk to him about AP Lit and AP Euro and the trips we were going to take around the world. We'd talk for about an hour or until a man would start pacing behind me for his turn with the phone. As light faded from the sky, I'd hang up and I'd think about my mom and where she was and if she'd ever come back. I'd think about calling, but it was getting dark and her phone probably didn't have minutes anyway. So I walked home, double bolted the door, and turned the TV up as loud as I could to filter away the sounds from outside. The sounds of so many people, together and alone. In the new year, we talk about resolutions. The trouble with resolutions, though, as good-intentioned as they are, is that they shame you for what you haven't accomplished. The books you never read, the man you haven't left, the raise you didn't ask for. Resolutions allow us to hide from who we are today by dreaming of who we might be tomorrow. If I learned anything in 2016, it's that invisibility is a privilege. In the morning, I can get up and put a blazer on and go into the world with a shield of whiteness that protects me from immediate judgment. People will look at me first and think I'm harmless, and second, depending on what I'm wearing or how I speak, evaluate my intelligence, my education, my socioeconomic background. But first, they label me as being harmless. And that's really the key here, is that I belong to a group of people that's viewed as neutral, as incapable of doing harm to others. At the end of the day, I can step out of my clothes, my childhood poverty, my history, and become someone else. No one can step out of their blackness, their queerness, their disability. This year, instead of resolutions, I say do the thing, be the thing, take the actions that give you and others power and purpose. Yes, self-reflection is vital to growth, but change comes only from doing. Today, I choose to be seen. Today, my hopes, values, and convictions will be embedded in my actions. I'm not going to dream of who I can be tomorrow because I have the power to be the person, to be that person today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ashley Keenan. That was wonderful. Amen. Please go see Ashley shows. They're really great. She's really great. Thank you so much for sharing that. We have two more storytellers tonight, everybody. Coming up next, another newcomer to the Your Story stage. She is a writer and performer. Uh, just began her own story night, Do Not Submit, uh, Albany Park edition, which debuts January 30th, which is very, very soon. Please welcome to the stage, Maria Voorhees. Okay, um, so as 2017 approached, I had one resolution in mind. I wanted to have more joy in my life. So I asked myself, when was the last time I felt endless amounts of joy? Turns out it was five years ago. So five years ago, I had just graduated from college. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. So I decided to go to a clown workshop for a month. <laughs> now, there are different types of clown. And when I say clown, people have different ideas. So one is that kind of circus clown, um, scary clown, murder, psycho killer clown. Okay, so and then there's physical theater clown, which is more what I do. So think um, Carol Burnett, uh, let's see, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, but with a nose. See, with this nose, it's like everything is different. The world expands. I'm able to see things clearly for the first time. Maybe not clearly, but in a new light, right? So the clown workshop begins, and um, it, we start very physically. So we do this exercise that's called walks, and one person goes up in front of the room, and they walk about the space. 
And the group is looking for any physical habits. So they're seeing uh, what part of the body that person leads from, where they hold tension, where the energy is generated from. And at the end, the person goes down, and then the group goes up. And the group then takes on that person's physicality. So, you know, they start very naturally, and then as they walk around the room, they grow into that form. And so this can be really personal, really emotional, because people often don't like to associate with how they actually look. So a lot of people say, well, that's not me, and that's not how I look. But this is like the essence of clowning, right? It is you on steroids, or as my clown teacher would say, it is your unique stupidity amplified. So I actually have my own unique stupidity, and it looks like this. Hi. <laughs> Hi there. Whoa. Hi. My name is Petunia. What's your name? Callan. Callan? <laughs> I like to Callan. I like to say that. <laughs> um, you know, I think I kind of have to go now because I know there's a show, but I just wanted to say hi. So I will be back. I, I always come back. <laughs> Bye, Kellen. <laughs> okay, so Petunia and I might have some similarities, but we have a lot of differences, right? Like um, I might be more of a rule follower and Petunia doesn't have any rules. Or I might overthink things and Petunia is just all heart, all innocence in whatever situation. So my clown teacher would always say that you might not always like your clown, but your clown will always love you. Lovely, right? <laughs> so after the workshop, I decide that I don't want to be done with Petunia. I want to figure out who she is, and I want to go to school. So I apply to my uh, clown teacher's two-year school in Florence. I'm accepted, and a month after, the school closes. Yeah, <laughs> so that wouldn't be a big deal or significant for any reason, except for the fact that this has happened to me now three times. It's actually why I live in Chicago. <laughs> so... Um, so what I'm trying to figure out as I get closer to 2017 is that Petunia has been locked in my closet this entire time, and I'm ready to bring her out. So as 2017 is approaching, I'm thinking, okay, well, if she can't go to school, then I guess I'm going to have to homeschool her. <laughs> Here we go. So as, uh, as 2017 is approaching, it's the first couple days before uh, January, and I think I'm going to give this a head start. I'm going to give it a go. So I'm going to do a little test run. Every, every single day that I drive my car, I am going to actually let Petunia take the wheel. She's going to drive. Horrible idea. So <laughs> I get in my car, and I'm driving, and I'm actually um, going to cat sit because my friend's out of town. So she lives two miles away. Um, no big deal. This is just a quick drive. How bad could that be? So I get in my car and uh, put my nose on. So Petunia's driving now, and we're driving down Ashland. And it's like the moment that I put on my nose, everything is different. It's new. And, and I'm seeing people. Petunia is seeing people because Petunia loves people. And so she's looking at all these people, but these people are on their phones. They're texting. They're talking. They're just anywhere but connecting. And so she gets to a red light, and she's a little frustrated, and she sees this man in the car next to her, a very attractive man. 
And so she's in her car, and this man sees her. And he smiles, and so she smiles, and then he waves, and she waves. And then he rolls down his window. So Petunia rolls down her window. And I think he's trying to figure out why a clown is driving. And so he says, uh, do you have any kids in the car? And Petunia looks in the back and, ah, uh, no, I don't think so. And so then they start talking, and he says, well, what's your name? And she says, Petunia, what's yours? And he says, Joe. So Joe and Petunia are having this great conversation. I find out Joe is going to do his dry cleaning and all this stuff, and they're, they're becoming friends. Well, all of a sudden, then Joe says, so could I have your number? And here's the thing. Part of this like joy plan was not about getting an attractive man because I have one of those at home. So all of a sudden now it's like, uh, okay, what's going on? So finally the light turns green, thank God, and I tell Petunia, just step on it. Let's get out of here. So all I got to do is get to Addison, then I can take a left. So we're going, we're going, we're going to take that turn, and then the light turns red. <laughs> so here we are again, Petunia and Joe. So here we are sitting in the car, and Joe rolls down his window, and he says, so, Petunia, how about that number? And uh, luckily for Petunia, she doesn't have technology. So she just says, well, um, I don't have a phone. And Joe says, well, where are you going? And she says, I'm, uh, before I can stop her, I'm going to feed my friend's cat. And Joe says, well, I love cats. Can I go with you? And here's the thing, okay? <laughs> like, even if Joe does like cats, which I'm sure he does, it's not about cats or Joe liking cats or anything to do with cats because I know that this means something else. So Maria has to take over. So I just kind of intervene, and I look at Joe, and as Petunia, and suddenly there's something that I recognize in Joe's face. And as Petunia, I ask, are you sad, Joe? <laughs> and Joe pauses, and he says, yeah, maybe. And then the light turns green, and I take a left, and Joe is driving, and as I'm driving away, Petunia says, I'm sorry, Joe. And that's it. And I'm driving in my car, and I'm like having this out-of-body experience because uh, I was this other person, and now I'm me, and what's going on, and that wasn't supposed to happen. And I'm thinking about how if I hadn't been in the car, that Petunia could be having some weird sexual encounter with a strange, sad man in my friend's apartment. And so then I get to my friend's apartment, Petunia parks the car, I take my nose off, and I just come back to myself. And I think about the day before when I drove to feed this friend's cat. Nothing happened. Got my car, drove, did the whole kitty litter thing, came back, drove. No, nothing. No interactions. And then today, because of this nose, I was able to have this weird, intimate, somehow very human interaction with a complete stranger. And even though it's odd and could have resulted in some questionable behavior, I think I'd rather live in that world. So that was day one. <laughs> and now I'm going to be doing this for the next 364 days, or I guess less since we're out in January. Um, but if you ever see a clown driving around in a car, just say hi. <laughs> Her name's Petunia, and she would love to meet you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Maria Voorhees, everybody. I'm sure we all have the same thought. Uh, first of all, Joe, what are you doing? I don't get to strike me, so that wasn't me. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, that Joe was for real a fuckboy. If, if he was here, he would have cheered when I threw any fuckboys. That's what a fuckboy does. All right, guys. I'm going to stop saying fuckboy now. We have one more storyteller tonight. Uh, his name was already uttered by Petunia, which is a wonderful introduction. He is the, the newer of the three hosts of Talking Games. Uh, wonderful dude. He's been with them, what, officially like two years now? Yes. And uh, I get to hear his tones every Tuesday morning when I edit their show. So you're just going to have to start calling me, dude, and like getting that voice in my ear. This is Kellen Terrett, everybody. I uh, just uh, want to say thank you to Eric for putting this together. Uh, the Cards Against Humanity for hosting this, all the nerdologs, all the storytellers and sing- singers. It's really wonderful to uh, be here with you all tonight. So thank you. Um, I am uh, uh, today. I did my first spin class because my girlfriend uh, is a spin uh, lady. She likes taking spin classes. And she's asked me for the last almost three years to take a spin class for her, and it's 2017. So let's do something different. Uh, and when you take spin class uh, and you're mean, you don't necessarily work out as much. It like kills your throat because you're breathing so hard. So I will take a couple of sips from this occasionally. Uh, but uh, I wanted to kind of talk to everyone about uh, kind of where I am and where we're all going and, and what we dealt with in 2016. And um, I've been uh, I've been laid off twice this year, uh, not because of anything I've done, because of uh, uh, people in charge of companies making bad choices, and it seems like that's where we all are. We're all kind of involved in this large company called uh, Human Beings, <laughs> and the people in charge continue to make some really questionable choices that seem to have effects on the people who are just trying to get through the day. Um, and one of the things that is helping me get through the day currently is uh, uh, doing meditation in the morning, and uh, I've, uh, I'm a... a I'm a, an Oregonian, so I'm born to be a bit of a hippie kind of guy to be interested <laughs> in, in meditation, but it's something that really brings me a lot of solace. And uh, tonight, uh, I wrote a, uh, a guided meditation for us all to kind of do. Uh, so whether or not you're, uh, you've done meditation before or whether this is your first time, uh, I, I open uh, this to all of you to uh, uh, sit, breathe, uh, uh, and kind of feel it. Uh, don't judge and just kind of listen to what I'm saying. Uh, uh, don't take it too seriously, obviously. Um, <laughs> too late. But yeah, too late. So uh, eyes open, eyes closed, whatever you want to do. Um, But this is called, uh, Will a Better Resolution Make You Happier? Picture yourself happier. Picture a version of you where any fear or anxiety holding you back is gone. You are carefree and confident in every decision, no matter how big or small you make. Picture a you who is loved by all you can come in contact with. Picture going to sleep every night with zero regret. Picture your job being fulfilling and your hobbies bringing you unending joy and satisfaction. Picture yourself happier with every day better than the last. Picture yourself this happy. Now picture all of this all at once, coming to be where you truly are brave enough to step outside of Western norms because of your life-altering decision to finally picture, purchase a new television. <laughs> picture what life was like before even this idea of you and this new television. It's 2016, and no matter how hard you tried, you lost. No, you did. You lost. There are eight, I guess including Logan, nine people in the world who won 2016. <laughs> But everyone else lost. Some felt it more than others, 
But most of the 7.4 billion people currently living on the earth lost in 2016. Now picture 2017 and a new television with a pixel density of 7.4 billion. The sting of 2016 seems like a distant as the ancient TV in your current home. Now picture that old tawdry television taking up space in your home now. Picture all the bad news it brought you. The sad news of strangers and heroes dying that ruined your day and made you want to kick your television for telling you. Picture every crappy movie or program it ever made you watch and all the hours your television made you waste by forcing you to binge these moderately entertaining programs. Your current television looks like a leaky butter churner compared to what is currently being offered at a big box or internet retailers across this country. And anyone who comes into your home will take one look at your old television and realize you must be a plebe or worse. (laughs) So for now, take a breath and forget your old television. Picture you at home with your new television spending time with your favorite people. Maybe you're with Jed Bartlett walking around the West Wing or seeing your crush of Jon Snow trying to stay warm wearing nothing but animal skins in his handsome space or watching that little darling Lisa Simpson continue to grow up. Maybe it's your favorite sports team beating all the other sports teams and defeating your most hated sports team and achieving a historic sports team championship that you can celebrate with your new television. Picture your family circled around you, around you and your new television. Your parents and siblings all see you in new esteem and any of your past mistakes are forgiven by this incredible new television purchase. Imagine your friends envying your sexy new television, salivating over how thin and glossy it is. Picture yourself basking in the warm glow of your new television with your significant other in your arms. They will not be able to resist you or your 64-inch television screen. (laughs) Picture yourself happier. Picture a version of you where any fear or anxiety holding you back is gone because of your new television. You are carefree and confident in every decision you make, no matter how big or small, because of your new television. Picture a you who is loved by all you come in contact with because of your new television. Picture going to sleep every night with zero regret because of your new television. Picture your job fulfilling you and your hobbies bringing you new, unending joy and satisfaction because of your new television. Picture yourself happier with each day being better than the last because of your new television, 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 because of your new television. Picture yourself on the showroom floor speaking with a salesperson about purchasing a new television. Have you thought about what type of resolution you're looking for? Your answer, is resolution really that big of a deal? And they respond with a question that will haunt you. Will a better resolution make you happier? Thank you. Real thinker at the end. I gotta say, Callum, thank you so much for helping us to secure Best Buy as a new sponsor of your story. I was really gonna pull for Columbia College and then some shit got said earlier, and ugh, I don't know if that was gonna come through anymore. One, two, three, four. You want a revolution
stories is a proud part of the chicago podcast co-op if you enjoy your stories you may also enjoy dynasty dynasty podcast launched in 2005 as the first ever and longest running music podcast in the city of chicago's history hosted by chicago journalist and college educator jaime black for more information go to www.dynastypodcast.com this has been an Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.